The future is a million little choices. Practice or play video games. Two hours in the gym or two hours at the movies. A little extra work or a little extra play. Reconcile or let the sun go down on your anger. Get up or push the snooze button again. Take a potential client to the game or take a kid from a broken home. Spend that bonus on yourself or give it to a minister that reaches out to pregnant teens. If we could get a picture of the future, if we could jump ahead 10, 15, 20 years, and see the accumulation of our decisions, the chain of events we set in motion, how differently would we live today? How would we choose to spend our time? What would we walk away from? How would we treat the people around us? What would we choose to pursue with passion? Where would we choose to invest our skills and our resources? Your future is a million little choices. And it starts today. Well, you know, in life, I'm uncertain about a lot of things, but one thing I am certain of, I am certainly glad the Cowboys are at home today watching the Redskins play in the playoffs. And I am certain of another thing. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Hey, I'm glad you're here today. You know, a few years ago, Gay and I were on a sabbatical. Uh, every seven years, uh, the church gives us a sabbatical. We get to go away, and we don't have to, uh, you know, do any sermon preparing or any meetings or any counseling or any of that stuff. And uh, they gave us a sabbatical, but we didn't know what to do. And uh, we had a friend that said, hey, why don't you guys take my RV and go, uh, go on a little trip and just enjoy yourself? And I said, I don't know if RVing is fun. Uh, I'd never done that, but you know what? After a little while, we said, you know, let's give it a shot. So we got the RV, and we made our plan to go to West Virginia. My brother-in-law lives in West Virginia, so we decided we'd go to my brother-in-law's, and we'd park in his driveway. In case we didn't like it, we'd go in the house and get in the bed. And, uh, well, we kind of enjoyed it that night, and uh, we, so we got the next morning, we headed out, and we decided to go to Kentucky. And we got to Kentucky. We went to the Daniel Boone National Forest or National Park, and we had a good time there, and, and we got up the next morning, we headed down to Bowling Green, Kentucky, to the Corvette factory. You know, there's nothing I like more than the Redskins than Chevrolets. And I'm just an all-American boy. Chevrolets and the Redskins, you know, what else? And uh, I like Kieseltown. And, uh, and so we, got, we enjoyed that, and that's an all different story. I gotta find a way to tell you that story one of these days of going through that plant. And uh, then we headed over to Nashville. We had a good friend that's a pastor there, and we stopped and we saw him, spent the day, and we camped there somewhere in Nashville. We got the next morning and headed to Memphis, Tennessee. Now, Memphis, Tennessee is right on the Mississippi River. I mean, uh, and we, you know, we ate, I mean, we listened to the blues and ate barbecue, 
and we got a campground there on the on the uh, Mississippi River, beautiful place. You couldn't go out at night because of the mosquitoes, but it was still a beautiful place. And we got the next morning, we said, now what are we going to do? We didn't have any other plans. We were uncertain on what to do. We had this RV, and we could go anywhere we wanted, but we thought, well, probably going to the Mississippi is far enough west. So we decided we were uncertain on where to go, so we decided that uh, we, uh, since we were uncertain whether we'd go north or south. And so we did what everybody does, we flipped a coin. Heads, you go north, tails, you go south. You know, and that's the way life is. We face these times of uncertainty in our life where we have to make a choice. We have to decide what we're going to do. You see, uncertainty is one of the most challenging problems that we have to deal with in life. You know, it's a place being somewhere in the middle. You know, you're, you travel too far from the beginning, but not far enough to get to your final destination. It's the deadly middle of uncertainty, that deadly place right in the middle, that deadly middle of uncertainty. We're starting a new series today called Uncertain. I was uncertain about this series. Actually, you know, the, the production team and, uh, uh, and um, the communications and all that, they like for you to be planned three months ahead so that they can be have their work done, do it with excellence. They get on my nerves and it so happens that I didn't have it ready because Christmas, I have, I work during Christmas more than just one day a week, and I was um, busy, and I, thinking about the series, but I just had not been able to figure out what I was going to do, but I had some thoughts in my mind about messages, and I called Colin up, I said, Colin, stay on my back because I'm uncertain about what the title, and I mean, I said it in a good, good way. I mean, I said it nice to him, but I wasn't feeling real nice. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's not true. So Colin calls me up a couple days later. He says, buddy, I was in the shower thinking about you. And I went, oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't want you in the shower thinking about me, Colin. <laughs> anyway, he said, why not have that sermon series be called Uncertain? I thought about it a little bit, and I said, well, I'll think about it, pray about it, and I was thinking about it, and I said, wow, you know what? Some of the message I've been thinking about is the places we get spiritually that we're just uncertain, and so therefore, we have the title of uncertain. Um, you see, in life, we all arrive at those places somewhere in the middle, at a crossroads in life where we are uncertain, and we have a choice to make. You know, last week during the revival, we had a great revival and uh, we had great, uh, great people here uh, that shared the word, godly men and women, and it was just a great week. And every night we were challenged. We were challenged to make a decision uh, to go forward in our spiritual life or just kind of remain, you know, right where we're at because we're kind of uncertain if we want to make that decision. You know, I think about Susie's message about being a spiritual bomb. And it was a choice that we had to make. It was a count the cost kind of sermon. And, and, I, and a lot of people stood and said they were going to be a spiritual bomb. But I, I just got a sense that during revival, some of you were just at that place in the middle. You know, you've been a Christian and you're that place in the middle and you're just a little bit uncertain whether you want to go the next step spiritually. And that's that deadly middle uh, that I'm talking about in our spiritual life. We're just not sure whether to commit. And, and for us to continue to grow in our spiritual lives, we will be confronted with choices that will determine our spiritual destiny. 
Many times when we're confronted with those choices, we're uncertain of what to do or which way to go, and it can be deadly in our spiritual lives. Now, I like the Dr. Seuss poem uh, that we're going to watch. Did I ever tell you about the young Zod who came to two signs at a fork in the road? One said to place one and the other place two. So the Zod had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zod scratched his head and his chin and his pants, and he said to himself, now I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, that place may be hot. So how will I know if I like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'll feel such a fool if I get to place two and I find it's too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So maybe place one is the best, not place two. But then again, what if place one is too high? I may get a terrible earache and die. So place two may be best. On the other hand, though, what might happen to me if place two is too low? I might get some very strange pain in my toe. So place one may be the best. And he started to go. Then he stopped and he said, on the other hand, though, other hand, other hand, other hand, though. And for 36 hours and a half, that poor Zode made starts and made stops at that fork in the road, saying, don't take a chance, you may not be right. Then he got an idea which was wonderfully bright. Play it safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe, I'm no dunce. I'll simply start out for both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, got no place at all with a split in his pants. You see, it's that the poor Zod was uncertain on, on, uh, on the choice of which way to go, so he decided not to make a choice. So in, uh, so in his uncertainty, he tried to take both roads at the same time uh, because he was afraid to make a choice. So in his uncertainty, he actually made a choice. You see, because he wouldn't take a chance, he went no place at all. He went no place at all with a deadly split in his pants. Now, and that is what happens to us in our spiritual lives when we are unwilling to make that choice that we have, that we're confronted with in our spiritual lives. We spend years living in spiritual uncertainty. And in the end, it's deadly to our spiritual lives. It's more deadly than having a split in our pants. You see, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, like Dr. Seuss, and I'm not trying to, in any way, to compare Dr. Seuss to Jesus, but what I'm saying is uh, that uh, Jesus talks about two roads that we often face spiritually. Here's what Jesus said in the Bible. Even though, uh, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, back in Jesus' day, there were two roads, uh, that, uh, two types of roads for the Jewish people. There were the public roads, which were about 16 cubic foot wide. And then there, there were the private roads that were four cubics wide. And, and so the people in that day, in Jesus' day, were very familiar with the wide road and the narrow road. And so he was speaking to people who understood that. You see, Jesus in this verse is saying there are two roads for us spiritually that we must choose from. There are two roads. You see, one road is wide, 
And that road is very easy to travel. It's filled with all the wonderful and destructive things the culture offers us in life. It's the popular road. You know, it's the easy to travel road. It's fast, but it also leads to destruction. It's the popular way, but it leads to broken dreams, broken lives, broken home, and broken people, which result in broken communities, broken churches, broken state, broken nation, and a broken world, because we have that choice to make that leads to destruction when we take the wide road. Now, here's the problem I see for us today. Now, I believe this road, I believe this road uh, is crowded. I believe that this road is filled and crowded with both unbelievers and believers. You see, many believers have been to the cross. Many of you today, they're sitting here or watching online, you've been to the cross and you've asked God to forgive you of your sins. You invited him into your life as your savior and he has forgiven you of your sins, but yet we still want to travel on the wide road. We still want the best of both worlds. We want to know our sins are forgiven. We want to know we're going to heaven, but we also want to travel on the road of popularity. You know, we want what the world has to offer but we still want what Jesus has to offer. Now, that's, now the, the other road, the, the other choice that Jesus gives us is a narrow road. And that road, the Bible says, it leads to life, but few, very few people choose this road. Some call this the way of holiness. Some call this road the road to holiness, the way of holiness. Now, this choice is one that requires surrender of self. I mean, to travel this narrow road, it requires that we surrender ourselves, that we are instantly obedient, that we live in obedience and sacrifice. And the Bible says that leads us to a rich and satisfying life. Jesus himself said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. But Jesus in our scripture today is saying we must make a choice. We cannot travel both roads. Jesus is saying Choose your road. Now, one road is popular, but it leads to destruction. And the other is painful and radical, but it leads to a rich and satisfying life. Now, here's what I believe. Now, I, I believe that many people here today and watching online, many of us Salem fielders are living in spiritual uncertainty, like the Zod. You, you're living a life of compromise. You know, we're living where we want, we want to, we can't make a decision and we want to go both ways and, and you're try, trying to travel both roads. Now, now we are uncertain because our, our culture tells us that the narrow road is just too narrow. The narrow road is, it's just too narrow. It's, it's too narrow-minded that this narrow road that Jesus speaks of, it's just too intolerant, it's too strict, it's too confining, it's too, it's too filled with laws and rules. And, and, and the narrow road, you may say to yourself, a little bit of Jesus is a good thing. But man, I don't want to be a Jesus freak. You know, a little bit of Jesus I can take, but I don't want to be a Jesus freak. You see, the, the choice of the straight lace, of the, of the choice of the narrow road, we say to ourselves, it's impossible to live a moral life in this world that we live in. It's impossible to tell the truth all the time. It's impossible 
to, to live the kind of life on that narrow road requires. This choice is just too straight-laced for me. It's too pure. So the culture says, hey, man, just loosen up a little bit. You know, our family and friends said, go ahead, man, just, just loosen up a little bit. Don't take life so serious. You know, mix in a little worldly culture with your faith. You know, just do what everybody else does. After all, you've been to the cross and God has forgiven you. You see, the wide road, it's tolerant. The wide road is accepting. It's fun. I mean, it's the popular way. You see, our view of morality in the culture and unfortunately in the church today says take the broad way. Go by the big gate. Don't be so narrow-minded. You see, don't go for such hard choices. My goodness, you know, go, go with the flow because after all, God understands after all, God gives grace. You, you, you may say, I'm not certain which road to take. And God says, I'm sorry, but you got to make a choice. You see, Jesus says, decide, decide which way you're going to go. You choose, you can choose a rich and satisfying life by walking the narrow way and please God, or you can be broad-minded and, 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 and which is deadly because you may end up going someplace you don't want to go. Jesus says this about the wide and narrow road. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. In other words, you can't walk down two roads. You got to choose the road you're going to walk on because you can't serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. In other words, you can't travel both roads. You have to choose one or the other. Now, to be uncertain, you can be certain of one thing. You made a choice. So, so you can remain uncertain. And if you do that, you'll end up like the Zode, not going anywhere, except maybe down a road of where life is unpleasant. You see, by choosing not to decide, you have already decided. So in my research this week, I found a sermon in Jeremiah where God tells the people of Israel how to make right choices. And I think that verse is still relevant for us today. The Bible says, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. In other words, you will find a rich and satisfying life if you walk in that road. But you said, we will not walk in it. Made a choice. We will not walk in it. So I want to give you quickly three ways that when you're at that crossroads spiritually, when it's time to make a spiritual decision, I want to give you three ways to look at it to make a wise decision. First of all, recognize how important your choice is. I mean, every choice that you make in your spiritual life is an important choice that we have to make. When we get to that crossroads spiritually, it, you have to realize and recognize how important this choice is. It can mean the difference between uh, eternity uh, spent in heaven or the sp uh, eternity spent somewhere else that you don't want to hear about. But the Bible says, stand at the crossroads and look. 
You see, God says when you're in a crossroads, when you're in that place of uncertainty certainty in your spiritual life, realize you've got to make a choice. If God brought you to a point of choice last week and you were uncertain whether you wanted to make that choice, you made a choice. You made a choice to walk the wide road. You made a choice to go your way and not God's way when you made a choice to stay in your seat when you knew in your heart that God was calling you to walk down the narrow road. What I'm talking about that is that God called you to make a spiritual commitment to him. You are at a crossroads in your spiritual life, that place of uncertainty. And you realize you gotta make a choice. You can't take both roads. Now, sometimes in our spiritual journey, it won't be hard to know what path to take. You see, the more, that, uh, the more that you read your Bible, the more that you pray, the more that you come to church, the more that you uh, show up at revivals, the more classes you take, the more you hang out with other believers in small groups, the more obvious the right choice will be. Now, now here's what I see the problem to be. We don't have a problem knowing which, which is the right road, the right choice. We don't have a problem knowing which is the right road. The problem I think we have in our culture today, in the church today, is facing the, poss the possibility that the way, of, uh, the way of holiness or the narrow road is not a vacation. You know when you're making that decision and you're in a moment of uncertainty, will I go God's way, will I go my way, you know that many times you don't choose God's way because you know that you know that that won't be a vacation because God may call you to give up something, do something that you're not willing to do in your life. And so we say, well, I'm not going to make that choice. And we think, well, somehow we haven't made that choice. We have made that choice. We choose not to choose. We choose the wide path, the wide road. You see, so sometimes we just need to make the choice either way. Now, you see, in the beginning, this road, this narrow road is a painful road. It's a difficult road. The way, the gate, the Bible says the gate is narrow. There's some risk of not being the most popular person at school. When you decide to go Jesus' way, when you decide to walk the narrow road, when you decide to go the way of holiness and decide, I'm going to live a holiness life because God said, no man will see the Lord. No man, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And you're saying to yourself, if I make that choice, then people at school, well, I won't be popular anymore. Or I'll be the butt of the jokes around the water fountain at work. Or, you know, I'll have to make some tough decisions. And I might be rejected in my home. I might be rejected in my workplace. I might be rejected in my church. You know, sometimes the church is the hardest place in the whole world to live holiness. Sometimes the church can be more brutal than the workplace. But look what Jesus said in response to that. Blessed are you when men hate you. Ooh, women too. <laughs> the Bible always lets the women off the hook. <laughs> Not really. But blessed are you when men hate you. Listen to this, when they exclude you, when you're the butt of the jokes, when you're not invited to the party. You know, everybody else is having a good time and no one's inviting you. Or when they insult you to say, loosen up, man, you're some kind of Jesus freak. And they reject your name as evil 
because of the Son of Man. Here's what the Bible says. If somebody hates you because of your faith, if somebody hates you because you're walking the way of holiness, you know what the Bible says? Rejoice in the day and leap for joy. You know the old fat boy could jump, did you? <laughs> fat boys can't jump, and that's the truth. You know, I mean, the Bible says leap for joy when other people hate you. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. It might be a tough few years here, but Jesus is saying, I promise you, when you get here with me, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. For that is how their fathers treated the prophecy. In the end, it's a rich and satisfying life. It's life eternal. The road can be hard. And the road can be painful, but Jesus is saying the rewards will be worth it. Please don't be fooled into thinking. And if I fooled you into thinking that, I ask God to forgive me. But please don't be fooled into thinking that the, cho the choice to follow Jesus and walk the narrow road to walk the way of holiness is an easy road to walk because it's not the Bible. Jesus said only a few are willing to walk it. So it must not be easy. You know, I guess I say to be a Christian, you will be faced with these choices of which road to walk all through your Christian life. But you have to come to that point in your spiritual journey after you've been to the cross, you have to come to that point where you say, God, I surrender. I make a decision today that I am gonna walk the narrow way. Because you will be faced with those choices. Am I going to continue on the narrow way or I'm going to give up and go the wide way? And if you haven't made a commitment to God to say, you know what, God, come hell or high water, whether everybody in the workplace hates me, if everybody at church hates me, everybody at my school hates me, if nobody invites me to the party, I'm going to follow you. We have to make that choice as believers. And we'll face those often in our journey. And see, and each time you stand at the crossroads of uncertainty, you have to count the cost. As Jesus said, he said that we need to count the cost and you gotta know that it's gonna be difficult and you gotta know that it's gonna be painful and you gotta know that it's not gonna be a pleasant journey all the time, but the reward far outweighs the momentary suffering that we'll face on this earth. You see, you gotta know that. That's why Jesus said, few choose the narrow road. It's a narrow road. It's a way of holiness. And there are reasons why few choose it. But also know that God rewards us with a rich and satisfying life and eternity in heaven. Secondly, ask where the good road is. Jeremiah says, ask for the good road. In other words, pray. You get to that crossroads and you say, I'm uncertain. Then you pray and you ask God. God, show me right now the road that you would have me go on. Show me the road that you would have me to travel. And, 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 and you go that way or, or seek godly counsel from the right people in your life. You see, sometimes the choice is hard to figure out on your own. And that's why you need to hang out with a godly group of people in your life. You need to have godly friends. You, know, you need to have people that's been to the cross and they've walked far beyond the cross. You need people in your small group and in your life. That's why we try so hard to get small groups here because you at those points when you've got a choice to make, you, if you go to your ungodly friends, they're gonna say, oh man, why are you worried about that? Let it go. 
or you go to your godly friends and they'll counsel, give you wise counsel. Back when we made the decision to come to Fredericksburg, to Salem Fields Community Church, it was First Church of the Nazarene at that time, and we made the decision to come here. It was a very difficult decision. We were at a terrible crisis in our life. A terrible crisis in our life. And we were ready to leave the ministry, leave the church. And I got a call back to my old job, and my old job was a good job. I made a lot of money, had a lot of perks, had a lot of benefits, and I got offered the world to move my family to Hagerstown and, and go to work back for my old company. And man, I didn't know what to do. I had an interview scheduled here at Salem Fields, to maybe the possibility of Gay and I being the pastors here at this church. And man, I was saying, you know, my life is such a mess, it's such a wreck, there is no way that I can pastor. There's no way that I can be a pastor. And I was praying, I was tormented, and, and I knew the narrow road that God wanted me to walk down would be the life of just going and doing this interview and, and feeling ridiculed or shamed or taking the wide road and say, here I come, back to my old job. And I remember calling up the most godly man I've ever met in my life. He's in heaven right now, Charles Thompson. And I said, Reverend Thompson, I don't know what to do. I said, my family's a mess. My life's a mess. I don't know what to do. And he gave me the most godly advice I've ever had in my life. And I don't have time to get into all that. But I got to tell you, we chose the narrow road. And I got to tell you, this life has been satisfying. It's been rewarding. Has it been painful? Painful as crap. But is it rewarding to look out here this morning and see you sitting here? And knowing that many of you have given your life to Christ here in this ministry and that God has used us and my family is serving God? I don't know where my life would be if I went back into trucking business. You see, there's times in our life, the Bible tells us, where there, where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And again, without counsel, plans go awry. In the multitude of counselors, they are established. You see, there's strength in asking for help. We think, well, I'm weak. There's strength in asking for help. Sometimes that's the only way to know where you need to go. Finally, Jeremiah says, oh, man, got to go. He's saying, get this sermon over, buddy. Uh, Jeremiah is saying, ask where the good way is and walk in it. Folks, here's what I'm saying. It's not enough to raise your hand at the end of the service. That is a great first place to start. Man, there's nothing that thrills me more than to see people accept Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness and invite Jesus Christ in their hearts and be forgiven and have Christ as their Savior. But you have to make a choice to walk with him. You see, we don't only... We don't, we're not only confronted with a good way, not only do we stand at, at the crossroads, but we got to walk this walk. We can't just say, hey, I'm a Christian on Sunday and live any way we want to live the rest of the week and come back on Sunday and live like we are the, you know, saints of the world. You have to make a choice to walk with him on the narrow road. You know, I can talk all day. But until I walked the walk, I'm not going anywhere. The Zod talked a good talk, but he didn't walk the walk. You see, he came to a crossroads and he couldn't make the choice. Uh, I read an illustration by a pastor named Larry Elder, and he said, Jeremiah says, stand at the crossroads. And he used this illustration. He says, for us, it's a cross road. It's a cross road. You see, that we're asked to follow. 
Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. Now, folks, I've been in the ministry now for 30 years. I know it might be hard for you to believe. Star was seven. <laughs> I was a young prophet. But over the last 10 years, I've seen the church decline. And here's what I believe. I believe that the church, we flock to the cross for forgiveness. That we flock to the cross for salvation and, 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 and to get our ticket punched for heaven. We flock to the cross to feel good about ourselves. I remember when I went to the cross and I asked God to forgive me, it's like a 10,000 pound weight lifted off my chest because I was a dirty, rotten sinner. And man, there was no better feeling than to know that God's grace was sufficient for me and he forgave me. But my fear, folks, is we stop at the cross. We stop at the cross and we don't walk the walk. We don't live the life. Folks, if we lived the life, our world would be in a much different place than it is today. And see, we stop at the cross and yet Jesus is asking us to pick up the cross and follow him down the narrow way, the way of holiness. So today we're faced with a choice. You, will you pick up your cross and follow him and deny yourself or will you take the wide road of popularity? And honestly, this is where many people jump off. Some of you today will jump off. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're living in that life of uncertainty. You're at that crossroads and you will decide today, you'll decide today where you go walk in the way of holiness, whether you're gonna walk down the narrow road or you're gonna continue to try to walk down both roads or walk the wide road and make that choice. You see, when you pick up your cross, you see, we stop at the cross. You know, people I found in the church, they love to admire the cross hanging in front of the church. People say, buddy, where's the cross at? You don't have no cross in this place. This place must not be a Christian church. You don't have a cross. I'm going, yeah. Would you just look around? There's a few crosses. Look around. If you haven't seen the cross yet, just look around. You know, people love they love to look at the cross. They love to admire it. You know, they like to say, wow. They like to wear it around their neck. You know, they like to make a fashion statement out of it. But few people in the church today pick up the cross and carry it down the narrow road. We just stand there like the zone in the road. We say, well, God, I've asked God to forgive me and I've invited him into my heart and, and, and so God will be satisfied with me. He will have compassion on me and will he? The Bible says there's only one road that will lead us to God and Jesus said, I'm it. I am the way, I am the truth and the life. And if you're gonna follow Jesus, it's through a narrow road. See, when he went to the cross, the road was narrow. It was the private road, and it was filled with pain. To expand a bit on Jeremiah said, he's saying, if Israel would only choose the right path and walk in it, they'd find rest. And years later, Jesus said, if we're willing to come to him, all you who are weary and burdened, he says, I will give you rest. But you have to choose the right path. So which path will you choose? For many today, you're once again faced with a cross road. 
You see, there's a broad-minded road which leads us to, uh, allows you to choose how much of the Jesus life you want. Oh, Jesus, I don't want too much of you. I want enough just to, just enough of him to make us comfortable, make us feel good about ourselves. But Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. And then there's the narrow road. The painful, the demanding, the costly, the one that few choose to walk because it just seems too rigid, too narrow-minded, too extreme. But let me warn you, if you choose the narrow road, it leads beyond the cross to a place where it leads to life. There's a story about the Alps, and I'll close with this. In the Alps, there's a religious pilgrimage called the Stations of the Cross. And we've done that here, not recently, but in the past. And thousands of people will make the long climb up the mountain. It's a well-worn path. It's a wide path. And they'll climb up the mountain to visit different places that symbolize uh, the different places Jesus encountered on the narrow road the road to crucifixion at Golgotha. And there's a story of a tourist that made the climb, stopping at every station along the path. And when he arrived at the station of the cross, he saw a narrow, a narrow path. And that narrow path at the top, at the cross, it was filled with briars and brush, and it was, it was almost, you could almost not see it. It was a difficult path. But he made the decision to follow it. And he was curious, so he struggled through the rough thicket, the briars, and, and he arrived at another shrine. And this shrine, this was a shrine that symbolized the empty cross, or the empty tomb, I'm sorry. It was abandoned. The brush had grown up around it. Almost everyone had gone only as far as the cross. And that's where they stopped. And that, my friends, is what has happened to far too many people in the church today. We made it to the cross, but we stopped. You see, we've stopped at the cross and we've gone no further. We receive what Jesus did for us on the cross when he was crucified, but we don't really want to make the choice to pick up the cross and follow him down the narrow road. And today, once again, we're confronted with the choice. Let's pray together. And as we pray this morning, I just want you to think about your life. Maybe right now, maybe right now, you're at a crossroad. You're at that place in your spiritual life where you're uncertain on which way to go. You know, maybe, maybe early in your life, maybe somewhere as a child or a teenager, God called you to the ministry, called you to walk down the narrow road. Or maybe God called you to be a missionary. Called you to walk down the narrow road of missions. Or, or maybe God called you to teach a Sunday school class. Or God called you to give up on something or somebody. Or and you stood at that road of uncertainty and you didn't make a choice. And today... You're at the same place you were years ago spiritually. That's a terrible place to be. 
or maybe even this week at the revival. Maybe you know that you should have stood up and said, I'm going to be a spiritual bomb. But you know what? Ah, that's too embarrassing. Who's going to get up and say there will be a spiritual bomb? I'm not walking down that narrow road. You know, maybe, maybe God's called you just simply to be an usher or a children's worker or work with students. And you said, nah, I'm not coming to two services. I'm not going to get my, I'm not going to do that. Man, I, I got important things to do. I don't have the time for that. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. Maybe right here this morning, God has spoken to your heart. And you know that you know that you know that God has brought you to another crossroad. And many of you will choose today whether to walk the narrow road or walk the, the wide road. But let me tell you, the narrow road will cost you everything, everything. That's why few walk in it. I got saved in 1980. It was a glorious time in my life. By, by, by 1987, I was ready to give up on God. Because I can't tell you how many Sunday mornings I sat in a service much like this, and God called me to walk down the narrow road. And I was uncertain. I didn't want to give up my job. I didn't want to give up my house. After all, man, I'm living in my dream house. But most importantly, I didn't want to lose my marriage. I didn't want to lose my daughter. Because I was a terrible husband. Back in my early days. And God called me to make that right. And I was afraid to make that right because of what it would cost me. And I'll never forget the Sunday morning. I made my way down the narrow road. And I knelt at an altar much like this. And I said, God, if you're calling me to walk the narrow road, whatever it costs me, whatever it costs me. And I got to tell you, that was the most difficult, most painful decision I've ever made in my life. And I got to tell you, that road has not been easy. That road has been difficult. There have been many times that I've wanted to quit and turn back. There's been many times that God's brought me to another place where he's called me to walk down the narrow road. But I got to tell you, my life is rich. My life is rewarding. I got a wife who stuck by me, and if she wouldn't have stuck by me, this church wouldn't even exist. I got a daughter who loves me, loves God, and is serving in the church. I got grandchildren that love Jesus. I got a son-in-law that's a pastor. Because I made that trip down the narrow road. And I believe God's calling some of you to make that trip this morning. I know it's late. I know it's late, but the Redskins don't play to 440. Thank God. So let's stand and let's worship. And if God's called you today to walk the narrow road, will you make that choice to follow him? You'll never regret it. You'll ne I have never, ever regretted it. I've never regretted that decision. And I don't think you will either. And I will call upon your name. 
Yes, sir.